0: Amen. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2, and we want to, uh, I want to begin a a series for the duration of this month, and uh, what Christmas really means. And uh, we want to deal with some things here. The the issue of the incarnation, the birth of Jesus Christ, is one of the great unfathomables of Christian theology, all right? And, And here's why. Because there, there's three great unfathomables of, of Christianity. And the first is the Godhead. Uh, uh, natural man just can't wrap their mind around that. Uh, the second is the incarnation. The virgin birth of Christ. Because those are things that just, they roll off of our tongues. Well, Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus was born of a woman. And... This is such a doctrinal issue. It is right, right next to the death and the burial of Christ. Right in the, in, in the forefront of that is the birth of Christ. Everything about Jesus was supernatural. All right? So it had to begin supernaturally. And the Lord said to me one time, he said, Doctrinal truths develop strong believers who know what they believe and why. Doctrinal truths develop strong believers who know what they believe and why. Amen. I've talked to people before, to ministers before, and the two things that I find that they say they don't minister on very often is number one, vision, and number two, doctrine. And then they wonder why their church has no vision and their people are wishy-washy. Because if you take those two things out of the mix... If you don't have a vision, know where you're going, why you're going, what's going to happen, you, 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 won't make, you won't make the proper plans. If you don't have a correct doctrinal understanding of the things in the Word of God, it's hard to mature because that's the foundation. Amen. Amen. One man, Oswald Chambers, he made this statement. He said, Jesus Christ became incarnate for one purpose. To make a way back to God that man might stand before him as he was created to do. The friend and lover of God himself. Amen. That's why he became incarnate. So the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus was central to God redeeming us back to himself. But those events were preceded by the virgin birth and the incarnation. By being conceived, this is something that's important. By being conceived in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit, the eternal Son of God received a human body. He was made flesh. Now, we're going to get more into this in just a moment. This is so important. The Bible says He humbled Himself and became flesh. He humbled Himself and became flesh. And these are the things that just really roll off our tongues real easily. All God, all man, God was, Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. What does that mean? Because just to say that, it's like, was he some kind of hybrid? You know, I mean, like the cars we drive, you know, partially electric and partially, I mean, what, what, is, what is the issue? No, it means this, that gee now understand this. We're going to read this from Philippians in a moment. Jesus came into the earth, and the Bible says he did not think it was robbery to be equal with God. In other words, that means he didn't think that his equality with God was something for him to hold on to and be so desirous of that he wouldn't come to the earth and become a man. All right? So what does that mean? That when he came to the earth, he had all of God's nature and all of man's nature. Not a sin nature. Man's nature. He took on Himself humanity. Hallelujah. And neither one of those natures overrode the other one. Does that make sense? He was 100% God, but His godness did not make Him not like man. That's why Jesus referred to Himself more than anything else as the Son of Man. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. And through that Becoming flesh, because he received a human body in the womb of Mary, he escaped the sin nature that had plagued man since the fall of Adam. And that is the way that Jesus was uniquely qualified to be our Savior and to be our Redeemer. You'll hear people say, you know, people are against Christmas. No, people are against the virgin birth. People, people are against Jesus. If if you're against Christmas, you're against what Christmas stands for. Christmas doesn't stand for gifts. It stands for the incarnation. It stands for the birth of a Redeemer. And not just a Redeemer, the Redeemer. Amen. It stands for the birth of a Savior who would save His people from their sins. Isn't that great? So Hebrews chapter 2 and... uh, We'll start in verse 14. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews 2, and let's look at verse 14 and 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself took part of the same flesh and blood. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Hallelujah. The Phillips translation says that he had a common physical nature as human beings. Another says he also became a human being. Hallelujah. For what reason? The New English says, so that through death he might break the power of him that had the power of death. The Goodspeed says, in order that by his death he might dethrone him. Glory to God. God. Moffat says, so that by dying he might crush him. Woo! Boy, we could go home right now and say it's been good to be here. Amen. Think think about that. Hallelujah. So it wasn't that he just became a man. He had to become a man. And the simple explanation is because what man lost, man had to redeem. Is that right? Amen. Now, hallelujah. Look at Philippians 2. Philippians chapter 2. And uh, verse 6 who being in the form of well let's start in verse 5 because he's telling us what mind to have let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man and being found in fashion as a man He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, it uses this word, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Then verse 7 says, he took upon him the form of a servant. The word form there is the same word. It's only used three times in the whole Bible. And it's the same word. It means external appearance or nature. So what does that mean? So Jesus had the external appearance and nature of God, and he had the external appearance and nature of man. He was all God, but looked just like a man. He was all man, but looked just like God. Oh, hallelujah. See, that's why the Bible says you are of God. You are of God, little children, you're God's children. But people look in the mirror at themselves, and they don't see how they could be God's child because they recognize all the failures, they recognize all the mistakes, because they're looking at this. That's not what God looks at. There's a reason that God said even in the Old Testament, I don't look on the outward appearance, I look on the heart. Your flesh was not made right with God. Your spirit was made right with God. Your flesh was not made just and holy, but your spirit was made just and holy. And as the God side of you lives out and takes the ascendancy, this flesh just falls into line with what the God part of you is saying. Amen. Hallelujah. Do, do, do you understand that? The, the, and 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 people will say, but but you know, Jesus was the Son of God, a son. Of God. In, in the Gospels, He was the Son. After the four Gospels, He's forever referred to as the firstborn among many brethren. Amen. The firstborn from the dead. Well, I wasn't born from the dead. Oh, yes, you were. You were dead in trespasses and sin. And when you were born again, you were born again from the dead glory to god. you didn't even know you were dead but you were dead you were walking around dead in sin but sometime in your life christ came into your life and you were born again from the dead and you became the child of god Woo, hallelujah amen so that, that that's important that we understand that he he was in the form of god but he took on the form of man. And it didn't delete either one. Being God didn't stop him from being man. Being man didn't stop him from being God. Hallelujah. And it says he made himself of no reputation. Now that's, that's, that can be simply referred to as he emptied himself. Alright? And, and, and we'll teach on that and we'll say, you know, he emptied himself of all of his, you know, his... His God powers, in other words, you know, we'll we'll say, you know, Jesus didn't get up every day and know everything that was going to happen. Well, of course he did. Of course he didn't, because that wouldn't be a fair representation, because you don't know what's going to happen every day. But listen, why did Jesus pray every day? Because we need to pray every day. And what did he hear while he was praying? What he was supposed to do? What can we hear while we're praying? What we're supposed to do? And people will say, well, if he was all God and all man, why did he have to pray? Because he had to be a man, and men need to pray. So Jesus will. what this means is Jesus willingly, physically limit him, limited himself where his omniscience was and where his all-knowingness was And he emptied himself of the ability to know everything at the spur of a moment and became like a man. Glory to God. That's why the Bible says that he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Amen. Jesus was never like the alcoholic that craving a drink so bad that he was shaking. But here's the thing. Jesus overcame the temptation the first time. He never had to overcome it again. He said no the first time. That's why we can say no the first time and never fall prey to it. Oh, hallelujah. Do, do you see that? He emptied himself. Glory to God. And became obedient to death. And it says that the, 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 the death of the cross... He was begotten of God. Amen. Do you see this? One and and the same. See, there was no confusion. There was no separation of Him and God. The only time Jesus was separate from the Father is when He became sin on the cross. And He became separated from the Father because He had to take our place. We were separated from the Father by our own choice. Have you ever thought that Jesus became separated from the Father by his own choice? He chose to go to the cross. He knew it was going to involve separation from the Father, but he did it anyway. He did it without sinning. People will say, our sin separated us from God. No, we separated ourselves from God by willfully sinning. Jesus kept himself connected from God by willfully walking with God and not sinning. But on the cross, he willfully separated himself from God. Why? So we could be reconciled to God. Now, but here's my point. I'm going through all that. Only a man could do that. Only a, man could, only a 100% man could do that. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you see that? The Amplified Bible says of Hebrews 2.15, He completely set free all those through the haunting fear of death. All of us. So Jesus had to become a human being. Now, this was not an epiphany, meaning it was not an a image. Jesus did not just clothe himself in flesh. He became flesh. I'll hear ministers say that Jesus came and put on a suit of flesh. No, he didn't. He became flesh. If he just put on a suit of flesh, he never became flesh. I put on a suit this morning, but I'm not this suit. And this suit is not me. You cannot look at me and say, look there at that suit walking there. This suit doesn't walk. I walk. And my suit has motion because I'm walking. Amen. Amen. Jesus did not just have a body. He became a man. He became flesh. Amen. And, and he had to for the purpose that he was called to. So He didn't just look like a man. He became a man. He became a human being now look at John chapter 1 John chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God the Word always was but he became flesh he always was but he became flesh look at verse 14 the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, everybody didn't behold His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. John is writing and referencing on the Mount of Transfiguration. Him and Peter and James were on that mountain, and John's saying, I saw His glory. I saw the full glory. There were people that never saw the full glory of Jesus. But notice what he says. He said the word was made flesh and dwelt among us as what? Flesh. Right? The word became flesh and dwelt among us as flesh. When in 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 Nazareth, when they when they wouldn't believe on him, when they we say they dishonored him, if you read the accounts, isn't it interesting? They 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 said, Isn't this the carpenter, Mary's son? Now here's here's why I'm saying this. He became a man and they knew him as a man. Right? The Bible says there was nothing special about him that would cause you to be drawn to him. In other words, he didn't walk around with a halo. He didn't glow. There wasn't an angelic chorus that followed him around. Oh! Right? When he walked in a room, there was a hum. It's not how it happened. Right? Amen. Now, I'm not diminishing him. I'm saying this is what he had to become. Amen. Glory to God. So he always existed, but he became flesh. Now, how did the Word who pre existed with God and was God become flesh? He preexisted with God, and was God. Proverbs says that when God formed the worlds, He was there. He said, "I was beside you. I watched everything happen." Amen. Oh, glory to God! The Bible. The have, have you ever thought that the Bible says, you know, we're born again by the Word of God, the, the seed of the Word of God that lives and abides forever. That's, that's as much Jesus as it is the written Word of God. He's the Word of God. That's how we're born again. So people will say, how did Mary become pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Because she was impregnated with the seed of the Word of God. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is... You understand? Now notice this. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. How did the Word who preexisted with God... And was God become flesh. Isaiah 7 and verse 14. This this is a prophecy that the Lord was giving concerning the house of Israel. And it said, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. God with us. This is how the Word would become flesh. Hallelujah. Now, we we read that and we understand that, but this is how it happened. The sign, Matthew says, all these things occurred that it might be fulfilled that was written by the prophet Isaiah. This verse, notice, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. That's how the word became flesh. Now, in Genesis 3 and verse 15, hallelujah. We're going to set the foundation and get into some things. Genesis 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and your seed and her seed. And it, her seed, shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The Bible in basic English says there will be war between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. By him your head will be crushed, and by you his foot will be wounded. Now notice, by the seed of the woman, by Jesus becoming flesh. So this is describing Jesus as the one who would bring complete destruction to the kingdom of darkness. See, if Jesus became flesh, and he did, then he defeated the kingdom of darkness. And that, that, that's why he could give authority to man Because as a man, he took the authority of the enemy away. And it requires a man to enforce that authority. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. God doesn't exercise the authority on the earth at his whim. He exercises authority on the earth through his people. Hallelujah. That were given the authority by the man, Jesus Christ. There's no other name on in earth whereby men must be saved but by the name of the man Jesus Christ. Is that right? The Bible says there's one potentate, the man, the man, the man Jesus Christ. People say Jesus isn't a man anymore. Yes he is. He's a glorified man, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, ever interceding for whom? Men. Humankind. Hallelujah. See, this is important because he became flesh and brought destruction to the kingdom of darkness. Look at Galatians chapter 3. I hope you brought your turning finger or your swiping finger, ever how you do it. How many paper Bible people I got here? Amen, hallelujah, just checking. If you got the other kind, God bless you. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, I'm sorry, yes, Galatians 3, verse 16, forgive me. Notice it says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, which is Christ. Christ is the seed. The seed of what? The seed the seed of Mary, the seed of mankind. And then in verse four, uh, 19, it says, Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come. Amen. Amen. And when, to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. So notice what it says. It says these things were in place until the seed showed up. Until the seed of mankind. till Jesus Christ showed up. And when he showed up, that he put an end to that. Amen. Now, in 1 John 3. Because there was a reason he became a man. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. Now watch this phrase. For this purpose, he's about to tell us a reason that Jesus was manifest. This is so important because if you, if you talk to people they'll say well you know the per- reason Jesus came was to forgive our sins. The reason Jesus came was to show us how much the Father loves us. All those things are true. But John says there's one primary reason that, and the King James uses the word uh, manifested. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested. Now Understand, He was always the Word, always God, always with God, but He had to be manifest in a certain way as a human being. And it says He was manifest for this purpose, that He might destroy the works of the devil. Now, here's the thing, and I'm, I'm going to challenge you with this. Now, read that verse and go out of here and talk about how bad the devil is and how much problems he's causing. When the Bible says his works have been destroyed, that doesn't I mean you don't have to stand against it, but, but this is part of what, we're, when you celebrate Christmas, you're celebrating the destroyed works of the devil. Hallelujah. Why do you think the angel came and said, and, and said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men? In other words, man thought God was, was angry, man thought God was austere, and that did not come from God's teaching of God's law, that came from people's interpretation of the law. The law never talked about God being harsh or mean, or angry. Men interpreted it that way. When the angel showed up, they said, today we're bringing you good tidings of great joy. For in the city of David today is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And He will save His people from their sins. Joy to the world. Jesus has come. Oh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do do, do you see that? For this reason, this is why he was manifest. Woo! Amen. Destroy the works of the devil. The Amplified Bible says the reason the Son of God was made manifest visible was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works the devil has done. Woo! Glory to God. That's why when you walked the aisle and you gave your life to Jesus, there were things that were loosened off of your life. There were things that were dissolved off of your life. There are things that were there, but when you got up, they were gone. Why? Because the reason that Jesus was manifest in the flesh was to destroy the works of the devil in your life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. See, so then it begs the question... What has Jesus been manifest in the flesh? If He was manifest in the flesh, then the works of the devil have been dissolved over my life. The works of the devil have been dissolved over my family's life. That's why the Bible says every spirit that's not of God will not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh. Because to confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is to confess that you have victory over the devil. Glory to God! Hallelujah. Amen. And, and, that, and, that, and that's why the devil will never say Jesus came in the flesh. Because he knows that means he was defeated. And he's so prideful and so arrogant. He will not admit that he is defeated. Even though everybody knows he was defeated. All the angels knows he was defeated. Jesus led him in captivity. He led him on a parade defeated but he won't admit it. When you say Jesus came in the flesh, you're saying by definition and by default, the works of the devil have been destroyed over my life. Hallelujah. Glory. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. And, and, and the thing is, the thing is, a man ever liveth to intercede for us. Woo. Glory to God. Still doing the work. A man is in heaven enforcing the authority that he gave us. The dominion of the enemy has been destroyed. It's been taken away. The devil has no dominion over you. The Bible says that even sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under the law. You're under grace. You're not under something weak that was based in fleshly ability. You're under the grace, the power, and the ability of God. Nothing can stop you. Nothing can defeat you. Nothing can turn you back. Why? Jesus came in the flesh. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory! Woo! Glory! Glory! Hallelujah! Woo! My! Hallelujah! Ha! Glory to God! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Ah! Hallelujah! 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 Ha 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 ha! You got to understand. There's so much there. That's why when Jesus would be ministering. He was in the temple one day and he walked in the temple and there was a man possessed with the devil and that devil said, "Hey, I know who you are. You holy one of God. Have you come to torment me before the time?" And what did Jesus say? Hush your hold your peace. Come out of the man. He the devil knew. The devil knew there's a time coming that my works are going to be destroyed. There's coming a time that I'm going to be defeated by a man. And in that temple, that devil saw the man... Mm. He saw the man, but he realized who he was on the inside. You are the Holy One of God. And Jesus exercised the authority that he gave us. You hold your peace and come out of him. I'm (laughs) I'm telling you, because Jesus became a man, you don't battle with the devil like religion battles with the devil. You open your mouth and you let him know, I know you're defeated. You know you're defeated. Now hold your peace and leave my life. (laughs) <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why, that's why the enemy has fought over the years. The virgin birth. And fought Jesus being incarnate and all God and all man. That's why I came up with all these doctrines about how there was a cosmic Christ that came on Jesus when He was in the river. That He wasn't actually born of a virgin. Uh, All of these things. Why? Because if he discredits the virgin birth, he discredits the defeat that Jesus bought through it. I'm telling you that the Bible says Jesus was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. And if he came and was a man, he did what the Bible says he did. So when were those works destroyed? Here, here, watch. Before you ever entered this earth, before you ever existed, every work of the devil against you was, was destroyed. It was loosened. It was dissolved. You might just now be walking into it, but it was already done when Jesus became a man. Already done. Already done. Hallelujah. Shh. Ha glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ha. Ha ha ha. And 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 what's done is done. Yeah, think about that. The devil can't go reverse it. He can't change it because Jesus already came into the earth. He already became a man. He already lived a sinless life. He already died on the cross. He already rose from the grave. He has already ascended to the right hand of God the Father, seated at the right hand of the God the Father, and we are seated together with Him. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. All because he, came, he became a man. He became a man. He became a man. And very often we focus on the baby in the manger. And religion tries to get you off the focus. Well, you know, they must have been poor because they had to stay in the stable. I, 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 I disagree with you so vehemently that I do not have the time nor the space to tell you how right I am. But here's the issue. Mary and Joseph stayed in a stable because there was no room in the inn. It wasn't that they didn't have the money. They had the money. They were rich. He was a businessman. But here's, here's my point. See, the devil gets you focused on that. Born in a manger. And it sounds real religious. Jesus, poor little Jesus, meek and mild. In that body was God. Hallelujah. Do you understand? In In that human body that became flesh, that was born of a virgin, that had an umbilical cord that connected to His mother, that nursed at Mary's breast, that was potty trained by Mary that was taught to talk by Mary, was God. Do you realize how humble he had to be to come and become a man and God who created everything would allow a human being to teach him to do anything. Mary taught God how to walk. Have you ever thought about that? And he humbled himself. And the Bible says because he could humble himself and become a man, he learned humility so that he could humble himself and die as a man. He had to first humble himself and become a man so he could humble himself and die as a a man. Do you see that? And the enemies fought that. Because if it didn't occur, or if he makes less of it, His defeat is made less of. And that's why you've got Christian people around the nation. And in every city in the nation. And in our city today. That they're living a life that they're going to go to heaven when they die. But they are defeated from sun up to sunrise every day. And somebody died to enforce the victory that God gave them. And they got Christmas cards hanging all over their their house. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Joy to the world, the destruction of the devil has come. Because he showed up. He showed up. And if he showed up, he did what he said he would do. Hallelujah. I got more to get in. Oh, I got time too. We might run again. I don't know. Hallelujah. Do do you see that? That's so important. That's so important. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. He was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Think about that. If he did, if he was, then he did. If he did, then they are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah glory. Look at Matthew 1. There's more here. How do you like doctrine? Hallelujah. I ran out of my key fob. Saw Pastor Larry take off. I thought, he's not getting all that. Matthew 1, verse 18. Now, these are familiar scriptures, but I want you to focus on some things here. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. Now, what do we do when we see the word Christ? Translate and meditate. What is Christ? The anointed one and his anointed. What was was his anointing to do? To remove the burden and destroy the yoke. Jesus, the anointed one. So, from, from the very beginning, the first, the, whether it was first synoptically or not, the first gospel tells us Jesus Christ, his birth was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was a spouse engaged to Joseph, now follow this line before they came together, they had never come together. This is important. Because there are people that will try to tell you, well, well you know, they were engaged, and so maybe there's some hanky-panky going on. No, the Bible says Joseph was a just man. And not willing to make her a, a, a symbol. Not willing to embarrass her. So remember, Luke says he was going to put her away privately. Well, why? He loved her. But notice, before they came together... She was found with child, here's the next phrase, of the Holy Ghost. Now, I know I say this a lot, preposition of, the channel, the, the, the source, right? This is a pulpit of wood. You drove here in a car of metal. That's what it's made of. Jesus was made of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now notice this. Verse 18. Or no, excuse me. uh, Verse 21. Verse 20. While he thought on these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take unto you Mary your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, 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 why is this important? Because we see something here. Look, look over, on, on down. And uh, verse 23. Well, verse 24 says, This was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by, uh, of the Lord by the prophet Isaiah, saying, A virgin shall be with child, bring forth a son. You'll call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Verse 25 and he, Joseph, knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. So three different times, twice in, in these, chap- these verses, we see that he did not know her and that what was, what was conceived in her was by the Holy Ghost, Jesus. Is that right? Hallelujah. Now think about this. When a child is born in the natural, the XY chromosomes, they don't come from the the woman. They come from the man. That's important. I'm not not giving you a, a, a physiology lesson. I'm just saying. Right? The father determines the gender of the child. Not knowingly, there's just X chromosomes and Y chromosomes. If an X chromosome is transmitted and that egg is fertilized in, in the mother, it's a girl. If it's Y, it's a boy. What what does the egg do? It just fertilizes the seed of who the father is. Hallelujah. The Bible says God was Jesus' father. Hallelujah. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost. The the Bible says, he said, the Holy Ghost will come upon you and will overshadow you, and that which will be born of you is the Son of God. The Holy Spirit is the life-giving arm of the Godhead. The Bible says it was the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That's why when you read in the book of Revelation... And it talks, it talks about um, uh, the beast and how the beast was raised from the dead. He had a wound and, and he was raised from the dead. And people, people will, will often wonder about that. How was he raised from the dead? Look, the devil has the power to raise from the dead. There's a trick. It's deception. Only God can raise the dead because only the Holy Spirit can give life. And the Holy Spirit wouldn't give life to the beast. Hallelujah. Mary, through her willingness... Be it unto me according to your word. What is the word according to 1 Peter? Seed. What was Jesus in the beginning? The word. The Holy Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. And the seed of the word of God was implanted in her womb. And she brought forth the Son of God. Hallelujah. Do you see this? Luke 135. This is important. You know, I heard a person say one time. Concerning the, the virgin birth of Christ and, and uh, the claims that Jesus made. They said, Jesus made such audacious claims about who he was, that he was either who he was, or he was a madman. Because only somebody that was really that, or somebody that was crazy, would say those things. Well, he wasn't crazy. He was who he said he was. And he is who he says he is. Luke one thirty-five. notice. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost will come on you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. Hallelujah. Do you see that? Conceived by the Holy Ghost. Now, hallelujah. 1 Timothy 3. Mm. This is, in my mind, one of the most beautiful scriptures in the Bible. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 16. It says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Now, what is the mystery? He outlines it here. Look, number one, God was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. Then, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Woo, glory. So, notice what it says God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus was consumed by the womb, in the womb of Mary, without a natural biological father. He was born of a woman and manifest in the flesh. If Jesus had not been conceived by the Holy Spirit, He could not have been qualified to be our Savior. That, 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 That sounds simple, but it's still unfathomable. How could God become man? We've explained that. In order to represent God in the work of redemption, He had to be fully God. Because he had to represent God in the work of redemption. So he had to be fully God. In order to represent man in the work of redemption, he had to be fully man. That's what the virgin birth made possible. Had Jesus not been born of a virgin, nothing he could have produ- he, nothing he did could have produced our salvation. Because a sinful man could not effectively die on behalf of others. That's why the book of Romans says, for a, uh, for a righteous person, one will even dare to die, right? But it says that God commended His love toward us, or proved it, or showed His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, He sent Christ to die for us, amen. Amen. How could Christ die for us? People say because he lived a spotless life, because he lived a sinless life. That's partially true. But because he became fully man, he qualified to stand in our place. He had to qualify to stand in God's place and qualify to stand in our place. And it took humility for him to want to qualify to stand in our place. Because he knew what it was going to cost. When when he prayed, and I'm getting ahead of myself into another message, but when, when, when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and he prayed, you know, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I, I've heard people try to sugarcoat that. His flesh, because he was a man, was recoiling at the thought of the cross. Right? But he was spiritually alive. And every time he went, why did he go to pray? Why did he go to pray? To pull that flesh under the will of God. See, if he had not been all God and all man, he'd have quit in the garden. He wasn't just a good man. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just somebody with great abilities. He was God. All God and all man. Hallelujah. Do do you understand that? If we desire to truly celebrate Christ at Christmas, we have to embrace the fact that God intervened on our behalf supernaturally in order to redeem us from the grip of sin and death. You have to, you have to recognize that. We have to embrace that. God intervened on our behalf supernaturally. Amen. And, and, and this is where I've, I've got to be cautious because, you know, there are always supernatural elements around Christmas. Jack Frost, Santa Claus, eight tiny reindeer, right? 300-pound man coming down a chimney. <laughs> now, I'm not, I'm not bashing Santa Claus or, or anything of that nature or ho, ho, ho or anything else. But here's, here's what I'm trying to explain to you. Here's what I'm trying to explain to you. What Jesus did was the epitome of supernatural. And the enemy wants to get people focused on everything else. You following me? To, 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 to uh, deflect from his defeat. He'll get people arguing over whether you should say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. And people argue about that. Well, Pastor, what do you say? Listen, it doesn't matter what I say. The the point is, is why are we saying it? When you say Happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, do you know what you're saying? We're celebrating the Christ. Happy victory over the devil day. Amen. Merry Christmas, the devil's crushed. Did you know it? Amen. Do you see that? And the church will argue, should we have a tree? I, I grew up in a branch of Pentecostalism. We couldn't have a tree. Because the Bible says, you know, you're going to decorate trees and bow down to them. And, and one Sunday school teacher even taught that. What are you doing when you bow down under a, to get a gift out of your tree? You're bowing down to that tree. You know, I was a young boy. I was a young man, and I thought, that's dumb. I'm not worshiping a tree. My gift's just under a tree. Give me the gift, man. And then he asked the question, he said, "He said people ask me, would, would, would you kneel down and get a gift? He said, no, I'll let you kneel down and get it for me. And I thought, so if it's wrong, if it's sin, then you want me to sin. But you still want the gift. Hey, brother, you don't bow, you don't get a gift. You're not bowing to a tree. I'm, I, I know that this is elementary. What I'm trying to explain to you, it takes away from the potency of what we're supposed to be focused on. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, you come to my house, I got a tree, got a big one, big tree. Lights all over the place. Amen. Why? I'm celebrating something. I'm not celebrating a day. I'm celebrating a person. I'm celebrating a person. Amen. Amen. Do you understand? Right out among my Christmas lights, I got a sign. The weary world rejoices. Why is the weary world rejoicing? Joy to the world. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord has come. When did they say that? When he was in the manger. The night Jesus was born, they were calling him the Lord. Amen. Go to Bethlehem. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And it said, This is Christ the Lord. This is the anointed one, the Lord. What was the anointed one destined to do? Break the bonds of bondage. Break the chains of bondage. Remove the burden and destroy the yoke. The angels were saying that, and the the men in that field understood what they were saying. The angel was saying there's peace on earth and goodwill towards men, and joy to the world, because the bondage breaker has shown up. Hallelujah. That's what we're celebrating. That's what we're celebrating. Amen. I, I don't get into argument. But they'll say, well, you know, what about this and what about that? Listen, listen, you got to do what your conscience tells you to do. But, 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 but then what do I say? Well, just tell them what I tell my child. You know, it's all right to pretend. It's all right to pretend and watch a movie about Santa Claus and enjoy the movie. But, you know, you know it's God who's the giver of all good things. And he blessed mommy and daddy, and we bless you with the present. I told her I'll even say ho ho ho, but it but it's gone. it's gone. And and I'll close with this. I got another statement, but I'll close this part of this with this. This free discourse. Because if you'll lie to them about Santa, what else are you lying to them about? Or the Easter Bunny, or the Tooth Fairy. If if you're not telling them the truth about Santa, how they know you're telling them the truth about Jesus? Now, they know he rose from the dead. You said Santa existed, but he don't. So when you say Jesus rose from the dead, what if they think the same way? It takes the joy away from Christmas. No, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It brings joy to Christmas. This included Jesus being born of a virgin and Jesus being raised from the dead After he went to the cross for our sins. This is what is clearly taught in scripture. And I'll end with this. This I believe. This I believe. Amen. Say it out loud. Say Jesus. I believe. That you were born of a virgin. That you lived a sinless life. And that you were manifest. In the earth. To destroy the works of the devil. Now say this this I believe in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's stand up today, shall we? Glory be to God.